Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, aka Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Welcome back. I hope you're well. I am starting to feel a bit more organized again, I think. Maybe we'll find out. Anyway, thank you for sticking with me as I have figured out how to keep doing all of the things that I love and keep my sanity at the same time. As I said at the end of the last episode, we are going to set aside Ovid for a while and plow through the Bibliotheca. We are up to Book 3, Chapter 8, so that's what we'll cover today. I'm still working from the Fraser translation, which is freely and easily accessible online. I personally like to use the Perseus site because it's really easy to see the footnotes. I find the format that they have the site. It's very, it's very simple and, and plain, but, um, but I think it's a well-designed website for reading these translations. So if you are looking for public domain translations, Perseus is a great resource. I don't know if I've mentioned it before, although it is in the reference list for each episode. Anyway, it's been a while, a long while. So uh, as a reminder, we ended with the ring cycle. No, wait, I mean necklace. It's a necklace in this myth, not a ring. The ring cycle is from farther north in Europe. Uh, but that's really neither here nor there because chapter 8 starts with a different story altogether. We return our story to Plasgus. He may be Zeus's son, unless you ask Hesiod, but why would anyone ask that misanthrope anything? Shh, don't tell the host that we've covered all of his surviving works. Anyway, Pelasgus's son is Lycaon, whose mom may be an Oceanid or maybe another nymph. It all depends on who you ask. Lycaon has many wives and even more sons. Fifty, of course. I am not going to name them all. Allow me to direct you to the links in the show notes where you can read the translation for yourself. Anyway, these fifty sons are the worst at at least as far as humans go, they are prideful and impious, and Zeus decides to test them. He disguises himself as a day laborer and goes for a visit. They invite him in and then, at the instigation of the eldest, slaughter a child and serve him up as part of the feast. Zeus, of course, knows what they've done. He blasts Lacaon and 49 of the 50 sons, sparing just the youngest only because the earth stops him in time. That youngest, Nictimus, becomes the new king. During his reign, there is a great flood, which some people say is because of his family's impiety. There are other stories that say that, in addition to all these sons, Lacan also has a daughter, Callisto. Unless you ask Hesiod, of course, he says that she's a nymph. Whoever is right, Callisto swears herself to Artemis and joins the hunt. She catches Zeus's eye, and since she's sworn to remain a virgin, Zeus has one course of action available to him. He disguises himself as Artemis, or maybe Apollo, it all depends on who you ask, and rapes her. And then he transforms Callisto into a bear to hide her from Hera, which works as well as ever. Zeus never learns. Hera convinces Artemis to hunt down the bear. Well, it's either that or Artemis kills bear Callisto for no longer being a virgin, but none of this is before Callisto bears Zeus's son, Arcus. Zeus rescues the baby and gives it to Maya to raise, and Callisto he turns into a constellation you may be familiar with, the Big Dipper. I mean, Ursa Major. And that is the end of chapter 8.
I think it's interesting that we hear about Callisto being turned into a constellation, but not about Arcus being turned into one. There's a reason there's a big bear and a little bear, Ursa Major, Ursa Minor, Big Dipper, Little Dipper. There's a mama bear and a baby bear up there in the stars. Anyway, the part of Callisto's story that stands out to me is her death because we have multiple versions of why she's killed. And frankly, they both suck. Either Artemis is swayed by Hera, which seems weird. I've never thought of the two of them as having the sort of relationship where that could happen. Or Artemis does it out of vengeance because only virgins can be part of her hunt, which is taking victim blaming to the extreme, which I know happens all the time in Greek mythology, but that doesn't make any of this any better. And it leaves me with the question I often have, what are the versions of this myth that didn't survive? The ones told by women as they sat at the loom, the ones that might not have ever been written down or were subsumed by the so-called quote-unquote right versions. So what stands out to you in this chapter? Pop over to the blog and share. It's on triumvirclio.school.blog. The URL and maybe a link are in the show notes, depending on your platform. I'm still on Patreon, technically, as Triumvirclio, if you feel so inclined. I haven't obviously been posting anything there. Um, I'm not positive how much I'll be able to keep that up and, again, keep my sanity. Um, In the next episode, we'll continue working through the Bibliotheca with Book 3, Chapter 9, following the new format that this podcast is going to take. So I will read you book three, chapter nine, and then share my thoughts on it. And hopefully you'll feel inclined to share yours as well. So uh, next episode, next month, book three, chapter nine of the Biblioteca. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.